Amen. I heard, I, I was praising God this week, and I said, God, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he said, do you know what it means? I said, I think I know what it means. He said, you need to search it out. Amen. You need to understand what it means. He said, because my people don't know what it means that I am their King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. And, and I think that's a concept that we need to just stop Put the pause button on for a second this morning. Look in the scripture and read what the word says and just begin to, to understand when we serve this God who is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, what we are really saying in the house of God. What we are really saying when we serve this person who the Bible says is given a name that's above every name. Amen. That he is the king of kings and on his thigh is written kings of king, king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. We need to know this God in whom we serve. And I feel like in this modern day that we live in, we have lost touch with it just a little bit. For just a few moments this morning, I believe I can get this out pretty quickly. And I know I say it every week, but I'm going to believe that one day God is going to do a miracle and we are going to get through it. Amen. Um, so pray with me this morning. Pray for me and amen me and we'll get on with this thing this morning. Turn with me in your scripture uh, to the book of Revelations, chapter number 19, one of my favorite passages in the Word of God this morning. Verse number 11. Oh, I love this scripture. What a picture of Jesus. It says, and if it's on the screen, And I saw the heavens open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him is faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his, eye, his eyes were like flames of fire. Amen. And, his, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knows but only he himself. Amen. And he was clothed with a vesture that was dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God and the armies which were in heaven followed behind him on white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and the Bible says in verse 15 and out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword that with it he should smite the nations and he should rule over them with the rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of almighty God and he has on his vesture and on his thigh the name written king of kings and lord of lords is anybody excited about the God that we serve in this house this morning his name is king of kings and lord of lords he's the king over all kings and he is the lord over all lords in this house this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. It's forever settled, God. You said that you're going to ride back on a white horse, God, with fire in your eyes and a sharp two-edged sword in your mouth because you're not going to raise a hand when you rule the nations. God, you're not going to raise your hand because it was by the word that the worlds were created. It was by the word that you spoke, God, us into existence, Lord. You breathed life into us with your word, God. And Lord, you even said you sent your word and you healed them, God. Lord, everything you do, you do by your spoken word. And God, we declare today that your word is forever settled. The grass will wither and the flower will fade, but your word will remain forever, God. So we thank you for your word this morning. We praise you for your word. And we ask for the anointing on your word in the house of God in this place this morning, God, that it would pierce us and it would
would subject us to it, God. And it would let us leave this place changed forever, God, for being in your presence and hearing your word one more time, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen. And amen. The Bible says that out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword, that with it he should smite the nations and rule over them with the rod of iron, and he treadeth the the, the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and on his vesture and on his thigh is the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. My God, I get so excited thinking about this this morning, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow one note at all, but I'm telling you there's something that was in my spirit this week and God said I am the king of all kings and I am the lord of all lords I hear I want to submit to you today that throughout the eons of time there have been kings brother Dave there have been good kings and there have been great kings and there have been bad kings uh, but all of them have a lowercase k next to their name because God said I am the king of all kings and he is all he is above all of those things hallelujah And he is the Lord over every Lord, over everything that has precedence. He is Lord over it. Amen. To get us started this morning, i got to slow down for just a minute and explain to us what exactly is a king. A king is a male monarch of a major territorial unit, according to Webster. Especially one whose position is hereditary and who rules for life. I've got to submit to you today that Jesus' position as king of kings is a hereditary position. Amen. He got it because he was the only begotten of the Father. And I'm telling you that he went and ascended to the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession for us. Amen. And he has given his position as king of kings because the throne was handed down to him by Elohim, the creator of all things. By Jehovah God. Amen. By the one who created everything everything, the Father of all things, the Father of all glory, the Word of God says He was given His position by heredity. Number two, how do you define a king? Capitalized. I like, I like Webster sometimes. Number two definition, king, it says capitalized, God or Christ. That's it. That's a definition. It's all you need. Yeah. Number three definition. One that holds a preeminent position, especially among chief competitors. I want to submit to you today that the devil may have tried. He may have even been what he likes to think as a fierce competitor. He may he may even think that he was a good enough competitor to stand. He said, I will exalt myself as God. I will sit myself in the congregations which lie in the north. He said, I'm going to exalt myself to the throne of God. He thought he was a competitor. But I want to submit to you, and you've heard me say it before, that if the devil himself and every angel that fell with him and every demon in hell, every principality and power, every person that was created from the beginning of time to today, millions and billions and trillions that they may be, stood against God, they would be as powerless as if I stood alone. He's the chief. He's the chief preeminent leader. A preeminent position 
especially among chief competitors. Amen. There may be a good, there may be a good uh, a replica of God. Listen, the devil is trying to reproduce gods for us every single day in the world that we live in. The devil is trying to uh, make, a, make a fraud or a forgery or something that's in the likeness of God for us to serve. But I've come to tell you that they are, they are nothing compared to the real deal. Amen. The, the, I'm telling you that in the society we live in, uh, Pentecost gets a bad name. Why? Because there's so many replications of a false Holy Ghost that are out there, but I'm telling you the real deal is still the real deal. They don't have to like it. And we may get a bad name for the false uh, manifestations of the Spirit, but I'm telling you it doesn't make me talk in tongues any less. I don't care how much they deny it. I don't care how much they fake it. I don't care how many phony balonies are out there. I'm telling you what I got is real. And my God is real. He's real in my soul. Amen. I know that He is. And so my my Holy Ghost ain't going to be changed by all the falsities out there and by all the forgeries out there. I'm telling you, there may be competitors, but he's still the king. So what is the Lord? It's one having power and authority over others. A, a ruler by hereditary or right. That sounds familiar. Or preeminence to whom service and obedience are due. I don't have time for that. B. One of whom a fee or a state is held in a feudal tenure. C. An owner of land or other real property. D. Obsolete definition. The male head of a household. I tried to get Deidre to call me Lord. I figured out why it said obsolete. E, a husband, alive or dead. F, one that has achieved mastery or that has exercised leadership or great power in an area. Definition two, capitalized. God, Jesus. Amen. And then definition three, a man of rank or high position, such as a feudal tenant whose right or title comes directly from the king. That's an important definition right there. One whose authority comes directly from the king. For the sake of time, uh, I want to ask this question. How is Jesus both king of kings and lord of lords if a lord is different than a king? And how is he the Lord of all the lords and yet the king of all the kings? And so I want to look at this for just a second. I want you to turn with me in the scripture to the book of Ephesians chapter number 1. And we're just going to look at something that Paul discovered um, as his, in his journey learning who Christ was. What One thing that Paul discovered, we're going to be reading uh, in the first chapter. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I have a couple that will be on the um, screen. But I'm going to... Uh, begin reading at verse number 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory amen can you see there the father of glory that the Lord of our God Jesus I'm sorry that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ here Paul is referring to Jesus as his Lord as our Lord okay and so you need to see that 
that he was saying that God is still the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The father, now we're talking about God here, the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I, I think it's ironic that Paul was gaining revelation as he was even speaking or repenting down right here in this scripture. He says, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is exceedingly, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Verse number 21 says this, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the one which is to come and have put all things under his feet. Amen. I wish somebody was with me in the house of God this morning. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Amen. He's a head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness that uh, of him that filleth. And I love those last words, all in all. Amen. So Paul was having a revelation right here of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now I'm, I've got to submit to you that he was not having a revelation right now of the kingship of Jesus Christ. He was having a re revelation of the lordship of Jesus Christ. This right here is the moment when Paul was looking upon Jesus and who he was and he was declaring that he was the Lord of lords. In this statement he was saying that God the Father of glory has made him Lord over all things. He said he's made him Lord. He actually specifies it, Brother Dave. He said he's made him Lord over the church. And he said that the church is his body in which he fulfills everything, all and all. You see, all the way, he was trying to declare that God, Jesus, was the Lord of lords in that statement. But right there toward the end, Brother Larry, I want to submit to you that Paul was already getting a new revelation. He was already on his way to finding out that he was not only just Lord of Lords, but he was king over all kings as well. Because that last statement, when he says, all in all, he's saying, oh, wait a minute, I'm starting to see a picture here that God gave him a name that's above every name. You see, Paul didn't know the writings of John just yet. Paul hadn't heard about the revelation that happened on the Isle of Patmos just yet. He didn't know that the revelation was going to show to John that he was both Lord of Lords and King of Kings. But I'm telling you today that Paul began to see something and by the end of his statement there, he was saying all in all, meaning he was understanding that God had even exalted himself. He had exalted Jesus to a place of high position. To the highest position. You see, power had been given unto the Lord Jesus Christ by the Father of glory. But I need to submit to you today that in 1 Timothy, I don't know if I have it marked in my, my Bible or not, but I can get there quickly. In 1 Timothy, uh, in chapter number 6, 
He, he finds a new revelation of God. You see, he started to come to it right there in Ephesians. But then in 1 Timothy, he came to the full revelation of God not only being, of Jesus not only being the Lord of lords, but the King of kings. In, second, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse number 15, I wish somebody would preach with me today. I'm telling you about your King of all kings and Lord of all lords. I wish somebody understood what it means to have that in your life. It says, in verse number 15 which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only Pontiac that the king of kings and lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto you see Paul had a revelation somewhere between Ephesians and Timothy when he was writing his letter of retirement he said when I thought I knew God we see the progression of Paul and and, and he said I thought I knew God this way but he began to reveal himself another way to me and you could see it throughout Paul's ministry he used to say uh, that he was uh, that, that that the people were wretched, and then he and then he went on to say, "I am wretched. Oh, what am I? Uh, but a wretched man." And I'm telling you that he had the same progression with the Lord and kingship of Jesus Christ because he knew God the Father. He was a Jewish man, and he knew God the Father that he was the Father and King of all things. Matter of fact, there's two references in Ezra and I believe uh, Jeremiah in the Old Testament where God is referred to as the king of all kings and so what I want to submit to you today is that when Jesus went and died on a cross that he that God when he returned unto heaven and we've seen the scriptures swing wide you heavenly gates that the king of glory may come in and he walked up and he stood on the right hand of the father and he took his seat of position that God gave him the title he said I'm surrendering my kingship over to you yes I'm still God yes I'm still the one on the throne but I'm giving you my title of king of all kings I want to submit to you today that God gave over the title to Jesus when he said I'm giving you a name that's above every name that at the mention of your name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are king of kings and lord of lords I'm telling you today that Paul had a revelation and then John had a revelation When he was on the Isle of Patmos, he had a revelation, and not once but twice, Brother Dave. He says, he says very clearly that he says that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so the question that begs to be asked in this place this morning is, do you understand the concept of a king? Do you understand the concept of a Lord? I mean, I I feel like we have the most trouble understanding who Jesus is and the power that lies in Jesus and the power of His kingship and the power of His lordship because we live in a democracy. Because we're a democratic people. Not talking about your party lines. We live in a a democratic society where everybody gets a say. We even live in a society where everybody gets a trophy. And, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's equal and everybody's got a fair stake and everybody's got a fair chance. And, and we just, we can't understand a monarchy. The American people cannot understand a monarchy because we have learned that you can't trust any man with that much power. I think that history... How many of y'all would agree with me that history has shown 
that man cannot handle the power of a monarchy. By and large, history has shown us that men can't really take that much power. They abuse it. They wind up abusing it every single time. Even David, one of the greatest kings, probably the greatest king that we have record of in any country, in any land, abused his power as king. When he looked upon Bathsheba, and then he sent her husband to the front lines, he was abusing his power as the king. Not one man has been able to handle the authority of kingship. And, and see, this, this, herein lies the problem. Because we always try to assimilate, Brother Dave, Jesus to a man. Because he came and he lived as a man and he died and he rose. And we have, a, we have so much trouble severing the line. that I want to submit to you that yes, Jesus was a man. But when he ascended and when he had his glorified body and he ascended back to the right hand of the Father, he is no longer a man. He is, he is God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I need to tell you that this morning because I feel like we all have this mentality problem that God is somehow like every other man who has let us down. Down. Every every woman who's been abused by their father or a strong male figure in their life, they have a problem coming to God because they assimilate God and His fatherhood and His kingship with the way that their earthly father or their earthly partner had treated them. And so we have this major disconnect. And I want to submit to you that I want I believe that everybody in this house today, myself included, has been guilty of not understanding the kingship of God because we can't understand a, a, how a king can have absolute authority and not abuse it. And so therefore we're guarded and we're mistrusting. And what happens, me and Brother Dave, we were talking about this the other night. What happens is when, when, uh, when we want to believe in God for something, we're believing and we say we have faith, but the reality is we have a little bit of, of a mistrust. We won't hand over everything to him because we can't really trust him. Because after all, there's never been a king or a lord who's been completely good but we have to get over the hurdle today we have to get over the place where we say men have let me down but the reason that I, I know that we have to get over the hurdle and the reason that we can get over the hurdle is because he gave us in his word this little simple scripture that he said I'm not a man that I should lie he said he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should have to repent. He said, I'm trying to show you something in my word that I'm not like everybody else that you've seen. I may be a king and I may be the king over every king, but I'm not going to abuse this power. And I'm going to work all things together for your good. You see, we can't understand it because we live in the democracy. Rulers and tyrants have caused us mistrust and distrust to anyone and everyone. You see, when we don't have absolute faith in God, we display our lack of trust for His Lordship and His Kingship. What am I saying to you? I'm saying when you lay your problem at the altar, when you take your burden to the cross, but then you go back home and you begin to pick it up again and you begin to worry about that problem over and over and over again. You're distrusting in the Lord and kingship of Jesus Christ. When I take something to God and I say, God, here's a need that I need to be met. And I'm trusting you for it. 
and then I walk away and I begin to leave the place and then I go out to dinner and I begin to talk about how this situation really is bad and I begin to voice uh, all the negative things about it, I'm lacking trust in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How many times have we said, man, I want my kids and I go to the altar and I pray for my kids to come into the, to, the, to the fold of Jesus Christ. I want them to come in and then we go out to dinner and say, I just don't know if they're ever going to come in. We're lacking trust in the kingship of Jesus Christ. By our words, out of the mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. It ought not be so. Amen. You see, He's God, and He's righteous, and this is something that the world cannot understand. You see, the world that we live in can't understand. We are influenced. I've got to slow down and make you understand this. I may have to teach for just a second. But we are influenced by the world outside, whether we want to believe it or not. The church is influenced by the world. The church is very influenced by the world. And so the, 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 pro, uh, the, the, the types in society and the democracy in society... Matter, matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and blast on every major denomination for just a second. Um, every Pentecostal denomination uses a program called Robert's Rules of Order. They use this program called Robert's Rules of Order. It is what we use for our voting system. It's the reason that we vote in this and we vote in that and we do things the way that we do them in the church. But Robert's Rules of Order is not the Word of God. It's Robert's Rules of Order. But where did we get that concept from? We got that concept from democracy. We got that concept because no one man can handle all the power. And we live in a country, and I love America, and I, I love this country that we live in, but we live in a country where even the president who sits at the top has checks and balances because no one man can handle supreme authority. But it's because of that concept that has inundated even the church and our beliefs that we can't grasp the concept that this God that we serve, this Jesus that you serve, He's really the King of the entire universe. He has been since the beginning of time. He will be, he will be when time is no more. He will be still God. And, he, and, and His Word is always and forever settled. And we can't grasp those things because of this inundation with the world's ideologies of, of, of democracy, basically. And, and I'm not saying democracy is a bad thing. And I'm not saying that men, listen, men cannot handle power. It's true. But God can handle power. Matter of fact, he's omnipotent. He can handle all power. Amen? And I, and I want to submit to you something, and this is where I had to get to. I had to lay that groundwork so that you understand. The world cannot understand this, that God that we serve, he's righteous. He is righteous. We put on his righteousness. Okay? And so because God is righteous, what that means is whatever God does defines right. We keep trying to define right, and the world keeps trying to define right, and putting, making God fit in the box of their description of what is right. How could a good God do such? How could a righteous God do this? If your God loves, then why this? You see, they're trying to define what is right, and try and make God fit inside of that. But i got to submit to you, this God that we serve and that we 
accept as lordship over us. He is right. He is righteous. So whatever he does, it is right. I don't have to describe it. I don't have to understand it. I don't even have to agree with it, Brother Dave, because it doesn't matter because if he does it, it's right. The righteousness of God means that if he decided to annihilate a major city today, then he would be righteous in doing so, and we would have to look upon it and say, he is right. We can't, con- we can't concept it. We- it just blows our mind. That, he, that it's not we define right and then see if God fits the bill. It's that he defined right. And whatever he does is continuously defining right. You see, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Why? Because he said he was. Because what he says is right. And if he said it, then he is it. Amen? And so whether we like it or not, he is king of kings. You guys have heard me say this, but it bears repeating. I heard an old preacher say this one time. If it was worth saying once, it it bears repeating. If it wasn't worth saying, uh, uh, if it doesn't bear repeating, then you shouldn't have ever said it the first time. And so I'm going to repeat this, but I heard a preacher say, uh, you ask, I I hear preachers all the time saying, uh, will you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life? And he said, that's the most preposterous thing I could ever do because the Bible already plainly declares that he has given him a name that's above every name, that at the mention of his name, every knee will bow and they will confess that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. I want to submit to you that everybody passing out on the street today, everyone that's in their car, Jesus is the Lord over their life. Whether they love him, hate him, curse him, or bless him. He's still Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the King of kings. Whether we like it or not. We are all in submission to something. And I'm hurrying up. We are all in submission to something. Do you know that you are submitting yourself to something? You're submitting yourself under the rule of something. Something is your idol. Something is the thing that you submit to. That uh, that thing is essential. Is essentially our Lord and our King. That thing may be a person that we worship. It may be be an idol. It may be like a person, like a family patriarch. It may be a mom or a dad or a brother who means a lot to you. You submit yourself to them. It may be a leader or something, a boss or the pastor. It's the thing that you submit yourself to. And I'm telling you that if the scripture said that Jesus is Lord over all lords, then whatever you are submitting yourself to that is not him, it has to submit itself to him. Does that make sense? Do I need to say it again? You're submitting yourself to something, and that something that you are submitting yourself to has to submit itself to the Lord. So I want to ask you today, why don't you cut out the middleman? Why don't you cut out the middleman? Because we have a direct link, Brother Dave, to God. We have a direct link. He is Lord over everything. The Bible says, and I even just read uh, one reference to it, that Jesus Christ has been given power, and it said he put underfoot principalities and power and rulers of the darkness of this age and all these evil things. Brother Dave was talking about Job and how the devil had to go to the to, to our Father and say, God, will you remove your hand so that I can so that I can come against Job? And without the permission of God, Satan could not have come against Job. What what does that tell me? It tells me that he's king of kings and lord of lords. And even the devil is subject to asking him permission before he can even attack us. So what's that say to me and you this morning? It means that you're going through things that, got, that the devil had to get permission to even do to you. And you have a direct link with the guy who could stop it all. 
His name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You, you are like the cupbearer in Nehemiah. You are the one who has the voice in the ear of the king. You are the one in direct link. You are literally one step away from the king. Not just any king, but the king of kings. So I want to ask you this morning, what would happen if you just pulled the pull that you have with the king? If we could understand, and I'm closing, if we could understand that he is king over everything, everything, finances, your family, your enemies, he's their king. They may not like him. If I'm living in a kingdom and and the king is the king over it, I don't have to like him. I can declare that he's not my king even if if I want to. It doesn't change anything. He's still my king. And God is still the king over every demon that's been battling you. He's still, I've got to tell you, God is still the king over cancer. He champions cancer. Cancer is a killer of so many people. It's an ugly disease. But God is God and king and Lord over cancer. And it is subject to his authority. But we can't grasp the concept of his kingship. But if we could grasp it and understand that we have a direct, we have the ear of the king. We have absolute authority. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he's our daddy. We could do so many things if we would just understand the kingship of the Lord. There are two concepts that I got to leave you with today regarding the that uh, Christ, kingship, and lordship. One is if he is king of kings and lord of lords, we absolutely must surrender. We must be in absolute submission to who he is and what he is. If he's king of kings, then you have no, you have no choice. You have no choice but to submit to him. I want to submit to every sinner in the house and listening via Facebook. You, there's a war coming that I just read about in the book of Revelations. He's coming back with fire in his eyes. And woe to them that are in front of him because he's going to be treading the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. The fierceness of the wrath of God. I'm, you know, the devil can, can plague us down. But the scripture says, don't be scared of somebody who could kill you. Be scared of the one that after you're dead can send you to hell. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what the scripture says. But I'm telling you today that there's a war coming, but there are terms of peace. There's a treaty that could be signed, but it requires absolute submission. God is not going to come to you on your terms. You are going to come to him on his terms. And he said that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if we are going to come to God, we are going to come on his terms. We have to understand these two concepts of the kingship and lordship of God. That if he's king and lord of lords, then we have to have complete submission and surrender. And number two, we've got to begin to understand our direct link of favor. Two things, submission and favor. Submission and favor. These are the two things that you have to understand about the God that we serve. 
we're living in a society that doesn't want to believe in the God that we serve. But I'm telling you, he's still Lord of Lords and King of all kings. He's, he's, he's better than any king that ever was and ever will be. And he's better than any Lord, any ruler of any place. He is better than all of those, Brother Dave. But we have his favor in his ear as long as we are in submission and surrender to who he is. Stand it with me to your feet. Hallelujah. King of kings. Lord of lords. He's so good. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us so much that while we were yet in sin, He sent His Son to die. And then after He died for us, He ascended back to the right hand of the Father. And He felt so confident in His Son that He said, here's everything. Here's every, I'm giving everything to you. While he is yet living, he gave everything. Handed over. The keys of death and hell are held in the hands of Jesus. The crown of righteousness is upon his head. The crown of the king of all kings and lord of all lords is on his head.